My hope is, is really twofold. One is that you'll have a, a, a greater freedom with the questions that you have. That as questions or doubts uh, come to your mind, and I expect that very much that they will, um, that you'll go, this is normal. To have questions, to wonder, to need to explore. And I hope especially that you'll look at the church as a place, the place to explore your questions. So often in so many places, the church is seen as the last place that we can actually bear our soul about what we're not sure about. I was talking with someone the other night and I, I said, you know, the church ought to be a great place, that you, the place you can come with your heresy. Not to teach it, but to, and by the way, if you're not sure what heresy is, heresy is when we have a wrong thinking about God. But a place that we can bring that, not to teach it, but to have it, it straightened out, to have our questions answered, to have a greater sense of what God is really saying. If we can't do that in the church, then be honest, we can't grow in the church. And I think that's why God created the church and brought us into it so we could grow. The second thing that I hope will happen uh, to you is that you'll have a, a greater sense of maybe some answers, some ideas to the questions you have and to the questions that other people have. And so that you feel freer in exchange with them. That you feel freer in your life with God. Um, that some of those questions that have rest, you've wrestled with, you've found some help and some hope. So it only seems appropriate to talk about, the, for our last time, about the questions um, to answer the question, or at least ask the question, and give some thoughts about the question, what about the future? You know, what, 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 God, what does the future hold? My guess is most of us, whether we believe in God or not, have that question, don't we? Whether it's addressed to God or addressed to ourselves. What does the future hold? Will it be better? Will it be worse? How can I plan for the future? Will it be better? Will it be worse? I, I want to tell you that's an easy that is easy to answer, and I'm going to give you the authoritative answer right now. Yes. It will be better. It will be worse. Wasn't that satisfying? <laughs> it wasn't very satisfying, was it? Let me ask you this. And you know I like to do experiments with the congregation, so this is an experiment with the congregation, which means you're supposed to talk, and I'm supposed to not talk for a little bit. Um, why is that answer to, will it get better, will it be worse? Yes. Not very satisfying. It's not specific. <laughs> not very specific, yes. How many percent? Yeah, what percentage? <laughs> percent better, percent worse. Other reasons? Yeah, I don't want to hear better. Better is okay, worse. In what way? Um, anybody else? Any other thoughts? Why it's not satisfying? Confusing. Okay. Confusing. Why is it confusing? It's not clear? Why can't you just lie to us? Yeah, why can't I just lie to you and tell you? I could, I could. I don't think I will. Um, yeah, I think, and I think one of the reasons it's not, it's confusing, it's not helpful, is that w deep down in that question is what? Will it be better for me or worse for me? Isn't, it's a per it, there's a personalness. It's not just general, although we care about the general um, sense of better or worse. We care about me. My family, my clan, those close to me, will it be better? Will it be worse? I still think the answer is yes. Um, and uh, the specifics are difficult and hard for each person. But, you know, oftentimes what you find is when you don't get an answer that's satisfying to you, it means that either the question wasn't a good question, and by the way, I created the question, so it's not your fault, um, so it's my bad question, or there's a deeper issue. 
a deeper question under the question. That a simple answer doesn't satisfy. And so we need to go down a little bit deeper and try to figure out what is it that I really, why do I really care about what the future holds? What is it that I'm concerned about? What's my fear? And so I hope today we'll get a little closer to the real issue under our question about the future. Now, for some of you, I want to let you down very gently. Because when you first heard about the idea of talking about the future, you said, finally at All Nations Church we're going to get an end times sermon and explain the end times and how everything goes together. And you finally, and I want to let you down gently, um, <clears throat> you won't get that today. And for those of you who just said end times sermon, what is that? Don't worry. <laughs> Relax. We can talk about that later. Um, and and I, I say that because I think oftentimes the, the future is a difficult task to talk about and to understand with, complete, with, with certainty and completely. I want to say this. Uh, many Jews diligently uh, prayed who were very spiritual, who, underst who understood and studied the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, they completely missed Him. God foretold in the Old Testament how the Messiah would come and what it would look like. And almost every one of them, every man, and by the way, it was men who studied, not women. So, see, women, you can say, see, it's the men's fault, right? But to a man, they missed it. They misunderstood what God said, even though it was written in the Old Testament. I don't have a lot of faith, to be honest, in our ability to get it right. And I think to some degree it misses the point about the future, to get it right, to figure it out, to know. On the other hand, I think it's important to study and to come up with an understanding that we have and hold that with humility, knowing that we're wrong, we just don't know where we're wrong. So we hold that, those beliefs with it, humility. But I think it is interesting when you read the Scriptures and you read about the future, it talks in these terms that some people will lose their faith because life is so good. And some people will lose their faith because life is so awful, so terrible, so horrible. Some see life getting better, and as life gets better, they start to go, you know what? I don't have a need for God anymore. God just filled in those gaps, those, those challenges, those fears, and life's good. And God fades. And for other people, life gets so bad that they feel it's impossible to continue to believe that God is really there and really involved in their lives. Can I point out a similarity to these both ways of thinking? And that's that God exists to meet a need that I have. When that need disappears or our misconceptions about God's ability or unwillingness to meet those needs go away, we have no longer a need for God. God is there just to meet our needs. God becomes an end only in our life. And I think the answers to the future are deeper than just, what do I get out of it? What's better? Will it be better? Will it be worse? And God answers, I think, our longing as He usually does by telling us what we need to hear and not necessarily answering the question that we've asked. Have you ever noticed that? You just read Jesus a little bit. He, people will ask him a question, and he doesn't answer the question. He answers the deeper issue behind the question. He answers a question with a question to draw out why they're asking it and what it's all about. In the same way, oftentimes, God doesn't answer our questions, 
But he speaks to the deeper things, the roots that cause us to have the kinds of questions that we do. I thought the passage that Karen read was a, was a great passage in that it answers, I think, the question, the deep question about the future. Will it get better? Will it get worse? Where does it fit for me? And I love the, the verse 32. is probably one of my favorites. It's Jesus speaking to these people after He talks about the fact that don't worry about this, don't worry about that because... You know, God's kingdom is coming. Focus on the kingdom. It's, it says these words. It says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't worry, little flock. And by the way, that's us. For it gives the Father great happiness to give to you the kingdom. There's a few things I want us to see in this that I think will help us think about the future. First, that there is a kingdom coming. The kingdom of God. The perfect rule and reign of God that is coming and will break out all around us. Everything will be fixed. Everything will be healed. All things will be restored to their best possible condition. Do you remember what Jesus taught His disciples to pray? He taught them to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. To prepare and to think about that kingdom that's coming when things will be right. The way we've longed for them always to be right. When people will be right. In the way that we wish they were. You see, the future is better than the past has ever been at its best moments. Again and again, God tells us to put our hope in His kingdom that is coming. And not in the circumstances of today. Not in the mistakes of the past and not in the challenges of tomorrow, but to put our hope in the kingdom that is coming. Colossians 3 reminds us to set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Ephesians 1 reminds us that as a believer, that you are seated, somehow we are seated spiritually with Christ in heaven, and we have all the inheritance of God. Now, if God has everything, and we have been given his inheritance. Unless my math is wrong, I'm not real strong with math. We have everything. Because we have God. And in a sense, I think God is saying to us, just like two people who are engaged to be married look forward with anticipation towards that wedding day, and they plan and they hope and they're excited, so too we are to look forward to that day when God's kingdom will come in its fullness when things will be right. And then as our eyes focus on that, it changes our expectations, it changes our experience about the future and the present that we go through. The second thing I love about this passage, this little verse, do not be afraid, little flock, for it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom, is this. It is so personal. God doesn't say... You know, don't worry, all you people, you faceless mass. But he says, don't worry, little flock. And and in that time, in that day, a shepherd would have a flock and he would know each one of those sheep. It talks about the scripture talking about calling them out by name. He he would know them intimately, he would know all about them, he would know all of their needs, and he would take care of them. And this is God speaking as the shepherd saying, Little flock. 
all nations church, church around the world, don't worry. I know you. I know your fears. I know your needs. I know your hopes. Don't be afraid. He knows who we are. And then this passage, this 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 phrase that I, I just I don't think I can I can get over is where he says it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It, when you think about God, what do you think about? Do you think of God saying, you know, I'm really frustrated with you people? Or God going, you know, we're not on schedule? Or God, all these images of God. Do you think of a God who looks at us and says, I know you, I know your situation, I know your fears. Don't worry. Because it is the Father has great happiness in giving to you this future kingdom. In giving it away. It makes Him happy to give to us. That's the God that Jesus knew. And that's the God He invites us to know as well. I think the answer about our question in our heart about the future is this. And it's almost as short as the other answer I gave you, which was yes. The answer to about the future will be better, will it be worse? How do I prepare for it? Jesus' answer is this. I am with you. Will it be better? Yes. Will it be worse? Yes. But that's not the big issue. The big issue is that God personally comes to us in Christ and says, I will be with you in the future challenges, in the future pain, in the moments of rejoicing. I will be with you. And you know what? That's what we need to hear. That makes all the difference. There are times in your life and in my life and the lives of other people when you know what? No one will be able to help us except for God who is with us. I remember about 10 years back, a good friend in the States um, who I knew through, uh, through a guy by the name of Dave Winstrom, and this man found out that he had cancer, and, um, and basically the cancer ultimately took him. And I remember at one point uh, he was curled up in the fetal position in his bed against the wall with his wife there. But you know what? God was with him. Nobody else could be there to meet his needs. His wife did all that she could. But at that moment, only one thing made any difference. And that's that he was not alone in, in the it will get worse before it got better for him. God is with him. God says to us, all that I am is forever with all that you are no matter what. Isn't that a lot better answer? Isn't that a lot more satisfying to our soul that we're not alone? That in the end, His presence is what we need. We are asking God, what will the, whole, what will the future hold? And, and God says, I'm with you always. That is all that you need to be free and to be satisfied. You know, the Bible is very clear that before the, this kingdom comes that we're supposed to pray for, the, the kingdom of God, that there will be pain and sorrow. And that will be a part of our life. That in some ways it will get worse before it gets better. 
The reality is of the world we live in is there are some places where, you know, to be a Christian and, and life is just perfect. It's just great. You can't, sometimes you can't imagine that life could be any better. And you know, in other places at this moment, people are terrorized because of their faith. But for both people, what is so important is that we remember this, that God is with us. And that He is pleased to provide for us both now, but especially in the future, the kingdom benefits of being with them. Have you heard God's clear and simple, I am with you always, even to the end? Because once you know that's true, and once you live in that truth, the future can bring what it brings. And God will hold us up. Sometimes in praise and in joy, sometimes when our knees buckle and we can't hold ourselves up. I am with you, and I am pleased to give you the kingdom. You know, this passage tells us that this security, the sense of knowing that God is with me, has a transforming effect on us. It changes the way we live now. In the first part of this passage, it talks about we are freed from the fears of the world, of our clothing, of our food, of our reputation, of our, our sense of value, our sense of, did I succeed? You know what? At some point, all those things will fade. Nothing will be important of those things. What I wore, what I ate, what my, what my position was, how much money I had in the bank. We, we will look at those things and say, why did I, why did I worry about that? Not a value. We worry because we don't see God. We don't see God at work now. We don't see what He's doing in our life. We don't know what the future is. And we're not sure He's with us. And that He has a plan. And so we worry and are afraid. And God calls us back and He says, I'm here. And if I will take care of the birds of the field, will I not care for you? If a flower blooms and is gorgeous and beautiful and amazing, will I not make you look beautiful? Maybe not always on the outside, but on the inside. And the answer is yes, He will. I think God calls us in this security of who He is to live in a new way in this world, to live as if the kingdom has come already. And to live that out. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Oftentimes it's different than what goes on uh, the way other people treat situations. And it's very easy to fall into that. But, but one person has been very helpful to me in this, and that's, that's Hans. Um, Hans and I, especially in the first years when we, when we helped to start the church, and there were all kinds of things that were up in the air. And, and uh, from time to time we'd get together and I would go, I don't know what we're going to do about this or what should we do here? And I had my worries. I still have my worries, but I had my worries. And Hans would often say back to me, he said, Paul, yeah, it sounds like God has a real problem there, doesn't he? <laughs> and at first I would go, what do you mean? And I go, you know, you're right. God's got a real problem. And what he was saying to me is, Paul, you don't have a, you don't have, you, you don't have a problem like you think you have. God's got a problem. And, and you know, theologically, God having a problem is not really exactly correct, but you get the point. Is this not my problem? It's not my issue. You know, I serve at His will. And God is big enough 
to take that challenge and to carry it through and to take it to the end he wants. I do not carry it alone, nor do I carry the majority of it. God is with me, and he carries the problem. And one of the greatest privileges we have as a Christian is that we never walk alone through life. And when we walk into the future, which is sometimes dark and we can't see, the unimaginable grace and generosity of God is there with us. And that frees us. Frees us to live for Him. Even when God's timing is not like our timing. It frees us. The second way I think it transforms this passage talks about is it frees us so that we can give in the same way that God has given. Do you remember the phrase he said, Jesus said before? He said, it gives the Father great happiness to give to you the kingdom. And what do you see in verse 33 and verse 34? This incredible passage that oftentimes we go, wait a second, am I really supposed to do this? Sell your possessions. Give to those in need. This will store up a treasure in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You know, when we know God is with us, and we know that all the resources of God will be there from beginning to end, the stuff of this life is just that. It's stuff. Stuff to be used, stuff to be shared, stuff to be given to those who are in need. We don't have to worry so much about, will I have everything I need? Because remember the passage earlier on? That's what everyone else is doing. But because the Father's disposition to us is to give, we can be like Him. And we can give. And you know, you can, you can tell when... The truth of the gospel really gives deep down in your heart, deep down in your soul, because you know what? You become an unusually generous person. And I don't mean necessarily you're giving more money or you're giving more stuff, but there's a sense of generosity. There's a sense of what is the need and how can I meet it? How can I give, not how can I take? What can I get? No, it's what can I give that becomes so important because we're secure. And therefore, we're free. Those who have the kingdom of God who has promised them have all that they will ever need because God promises that I will supply all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Therefore, they are freed to use the things of this world for God, for justice, and for mercy. You and I do not know the future. And God did not intend for us to know all the details about the future. But we know the one who holds the future. And the one who holds the future has come and shared his life completely with us so that we can share life completely with him and walk into that future until one day, whether it's after we're gone or while we're here, the glory of the kingdom, the perfection of what God says will one day be, that time when our soul says, this is what I longed for all my life. The rule, the reign, the peace of God will be upon us. And in that day we'll say, why did I hold on to this stuff? 
when life is found with God and with His glory. God is with us in this present. He is with us in the future. We have hope. Let us live in that hope for His glory and for our good. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, you know today, even in my heart and in this room, there are concerns, sometimes fears, worries about the future. We want to know the details. We want to be able to plan so we can maneuver our way into the best situation, the best position. And you come and you look in our eyes and you say to us, I am with you. And that is what you need. Rest. Father, it is amazing to us that, that it gives you great happiness to give to us. Pray that you would transform us with that thought and that idea, that truth, so that we too might be free to give to those around us. To live for that kingdom, to live as if that kingdom was here already, even if others around us don't. And help us to look to you with hope and expectation. Father, help us to celebrate you in the good times and not turn away. And in the difficult and painful times, let us be those who hold on to you and say, we will not let go. For you are all I need. Lead us, we pray, Lord, as you give us this wonderful life and this wonderful land. Help us to be those who reflect that goodness and that glory of Christ to others. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.